What's going on, my digital compadres, and welcome to Feasting with Founders, where we talk with food and beverage founders from across the world that are on a mission to make a difference in the kitchen. Today, we're talking with Morgan Murdoch, registered dietitian and founder of Unbothered Foods. This is a sourdough CPG company based out of Chicago. They just got started this year putting out sea salt and flax crackers, though she had been experimenting over the last year with sourdough pizza. We are hoping to see that come back because, as we all know, pizza is my favorite food group and probably the best food group on the planet. But for the moment, we are focused on crackers. She created sea salt and flax crackers that are made out of sourdough, and her mission is to create more space at the table for folks in the digestive health community. What does that mean? Folks who have chronic digestive issues, who just really need help with uh, more gut-friendly products, she is building a brand that is meant to serve them and create opportunities for those who just can't digest all of our favorite things like crackers and all the other gluten-laden products that we love by making them in sourdough. And something about the sourdough process, by letting it ferment over 24 hours, it creates, uh, it breaks down some of the enzymes that are problematic in the gut and makes them more bioavailable. I don't know if I'm using that phrase right, but based off my conversation with her, I'm trying to reframe her very scientific, very expert explanation. They make things that would otherwise be problematic for gluten intolerant folks, very much more digestible and still delicious. More flavors in the summer of 2023, and you can also ship nationally within the United States through Here Here Market. Uh, here Here, H-E-R-E, H-E-R-E, market.com. You can find our stuff on there as well, as well as a bunch of other Chicago food and beverage companies uh, that are able to ship across the states. So if you are a gluten intolerant person looking for a cracker, just been craving it to dip in that hummus, whatever it might be, Unbothered Foods, sea salt and flax crackers might be the thing for you. A little bit more on Morgan. As I mentioned, she is a registered dietitian who specialized in digestive health. Through seeing hundreds of patients, that's how she developed this new product and came to understand the vast need for gut-friendly products on the market. That science background, paired with her patient experience and her love of food in general, is what drives her to create the brand she is building today. Ultimately, she just wants to make eating fun again for folks with digestive conditions. I think this is an awesome mission, and uh, I also think it's awesome to get to hear from somebody in the trenches. She is literally hand-producing every batch of crackers right now. We talk about her considering investing in an auto roller to press the dough sheets. It's just, it's, we rarely get to hear from somebody who is there in the depths of getting something off the ground, and she is truly in it right now, which I have nothing but respect for her work ethic and her vision, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where she takes these this brand over the coming months. Um, but yeah, we get into that a little bit as well. What does it look like to rebrand? How do you decide what to spend on when? And just the, the great, the fascinating journey from a dietitian to a food and beverage entrepreneur. It seems logical maybe in retrospect, but um, I think we'll get to see that the worlds are vastly different and there's really no training for what you have to do to get a food and beverage brand off the ground. So I love this conversation. I hope you enjoy it as well. Uh, again, I will have everything in the links in the show notes. I also wanted to shout out Unbothered Foods just did a rebrand, and the designer for their logo and their product shoot was Riley Swain of Swain Studio. That's at swainstudio.co. I'll have them in the show notes. And the name Unbothered Foods, we actually talk about going from the last name, Welly Bellies, which sounds like someone you may know, to Unbothered Foods. That was with the help of Patrick Yovanov. His brand is called Jingleheimer. Your name is his name, too. I think that's so clever. I hope I get to talk with him, if not on this podcast, somewhere else that we get to talk brand and just awesome naming conventions. Both of these studios did amazing work. Unbothered Foods, great name. The logo is killer. The packaging is awesome. And all of their product photography is out of this world, too. So just wanted to shout them out. If you are an entrepreneur in the food and beverage world or any world, I suppose, just looking for help with brand identity, product photography, or naming, make sure to check these folks out. I'll have them in the show notes as well. 
without further ado, here's my conversation with Morgan Murdoch of Unbothered Food. If nothing else, I hope you get to enjoy a great meal today with some great people. Cheers. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, so you are the founder of Unbothered Foods and a dietitian turned food maker, creator of the actual thing. Um, I'd love to start off just hearing a little bit about what that journey is like moving from a dietitian to a CPG founder. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm still figuring out what that means. So that's a great question. Mm. Um, before I became a dietitian, I like while I was going through school and everything, I was in fine dining and have always food has always been a part of my life. I personally love food and trying new food, and um, so that's kind of always been a consistent thing through my life, no matter what my professional career has been. So, um, but going from clinical dietitian to, yeah, a CPG founder is very, um, it's a special journey when you are in school, you know, we don't get any business classes. We don't have mm. any marketing classes other than like, you know, nutrition communications or something like that. And it's definitely a DIY approach to becoming a founder. Um, but, you know, what's cool is that I'm doing what I'm doing because of the patients that I worked with. So, mm. When I was a clinical dietitian, I specialized in digestive health. And throughout the pandemic, I would just be on Zoom calls all day, every day. I mean, hour after hour, talking to hundreds of different patients in the Chicago area. Um, and that was really my like market research. I learned later. I didn't know that I was mm. going to start a food brand for a while, but Looking back, that was really my market research years of working with people with these digestive conditions and just hearing their pain points and learning what they want in food products. And we can kind of get into the specifics of what our mission behind the brand is. But yeah, going from clinical to being a business owner, very different. It's like when you're when you're a clinical dietitian, or for me, I could always envision what I want the company to be like, I'm mm. a, like, I'm in position a as a clinical dietitian and I'm seeing Z where I want to go and I want to skip all the other steps in between. Hmm. And I have a really clear vision of like what I know people want and need, but it's, you don't, you just don't really picture when you're a business owner, um, all the other letters and everything <laughs> it takes to kind of get to that vision point. The like dreaming part is very fun for me, mm. but, um, yeah, all the steps are hard. Uh, yeah. so it's been a, it's been a hard and, and awesome transition. Um, but lots to learn. I'm constantly learning. I never know what I'm doing and I'm always trying to figure it out and, um, yeah, so it's been good. It's been a journey. Um, gotta have grit for sure to mm. start a business. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it takes a special type to start every day, not knowing what's happening and still go and get it anyway. <laughs> right. Um, and I would also say, I don't know, this may be my own bias. Most folks in the medical field are not that kind of person. They actually end up doing a lot yeah. of studying preparation um, controlled to an extent, right? Like you're going to deal with humans. It's going to be a little chaotic, but, um, yeah. I find a lot of folks that go into medicinal fields really enjoy that sense of kind of, if not control, at least routine, understanding oh, yeah. their lane, their focus and being in that. Um, did you find, did you know this was the type of person you were when you were going into being a dietitian? Did you see any sort of gap in how you were behaving versus the folks that were around you? Yeah. I think for me, no, like whether I was a dietitian or even before, like other places I've worked, I've always kind of forced myself into some type of leadership position, whether that was like wanted or not. Like mm. I'm, I've always kind of asserted myself into like, we should do this, we should do that. And so I've, I've known that about my personality and 
I've wanted to start something for a long time, but Mm -hmm. just wasn't ever in a position where I was confident enough. Or when you're starting something, I'm very much the proponent of, you know, there needs to be a need there and your vision needs to be very clear of what you're doing. At least for me, if Mm -hmm. I didn't like have a hundred percent, like, knowledge and worked with patients to see that there's a need, then I personally wouldn't have had the confidence to do it um, Mm -hmm. because I hadn't been in business before. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there's, there's different niches of being a dietitian, right? If you're working in a hospital, that's definitely more like your kind of daily routine is not the same, but you know, Mm -hmm. you're seeing X amount of patients, you're doing paperwork. It's very predictable, but I specifically did not work in a hospital because of that sort of like, I would call it monotony, but that's mm. that's probably not fair mm-hmm. uh, for clinical dietitians, which we definitely need them in hospitals. But mm. yeah, for me, I always knew that, that I never wanted that to be my route. I actually was wanting to be a sports dietitian. So before I specialized in digestive health, I worked, I worked with, um, University of Notre Dame and Mm. worked with their sports nutrition team and like was kind of going the sports nutrition path, but then really stumbled upon um, digestive health. And I don't personally have a digestive health condition, Mm. but once you start talking to people about it, and if you're a dietitian, it really like peels back the curtains and you realize, oh my gosh, everyone has GI issues. Um, And so Anyway, yeah, eventually niched into this area of the field and um, yeah, I kind of went on a different route there for what the question actually was, but all that to say, I mean, yeah, it's, I was not (laughs) fitting. I wasn't fitting in what I was supposed to just be doing Mm. as a clinical dietitian. And I was always trying to do something else and just doing like what I was expected to do never felt like an, like I was unsettled. Mm. I was always unsettled. I mean, it didn't help that we were in a pandemic and I was stuck in this room for, you know, eight to 10 hours sitting in this one spot and just talking to people and partially being a therapist. I mean, I think we all kind of needed change as we went through mm. um, the pandemic. Yeah. So it's a, probably a combination of both of those things, just needing something different, but knowing like, okay, now is the time to, to take the risks and it's time to do something that's not um, super consistent because yeah, I just wasn't totally happy doing yeah. that. Yeah. And um, yeah, that raises a million questions that I want to stay focused on uh, your business a little bit today. Maybe we can have a future conversation about gut microbiomes yeah. and all of that because it's a trendy word that I don't think is well understood yes. by most people that use it. I have zero yeah. clue about it. No, <laughs> um, yeah, but um and I would even say professionals like me who specialize in it would say like like it's just this it's such a big thing that so much mm. research is needing to happen about and is continually happening that we we're still figuring out what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a consistent definition of what gut health even is. Mm. So, yeah, let's put it on the calendar so I can learn a little bit more before <laughs> we talk because this business hat is on right now. Gut microbiome isn't yeah. always on now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, that is a problem you're solving for, right? So you started with sourdough pizza, and this was intended yeah. to help folks with GI issues enjoy the magnificence that is the world's greatest food group, pizza, right? So can you yes. tell me, like, how did that start? What was the insight? And just tell us a little bit about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um and yeah, I'll just say now, I recognize that pizza is better than crackers <laughs> right now. Okay. I, I just have to give that caveat in all of my like, you know, events that I'm doing because everyone mm. has seen the, or most people have seen the before and after, before being pizza, after being crackers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I have to vocalize, I know it is not <laughs> as cool or taste as good. Okay. I get it. But we're working on pantry staples right now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the reasoning, yes, we do sourdough products. Um, the reason behind that is when I was working with patients, um, many of them had irritable bowel syndrome or IBS. Actually, 15% of the population has it, mm. which is millions of people. Okay. It's a large number. So, 
Yes, it's a huge number. And these are the people that even know that they have IBS. So who knows, mm-hmm. you know, 40 to 60% of the population would say they have some kind of gut issue. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of reasons for that. But 15% have IBS. And so that became my specialty area. Within that 15% of people, all of those people will go to their doctor and ask for help. Don't know what's ca- going on. When you have IBS, you have um, you know, GI issues like constipation, diarrhea. We won't get into it, okay, on this podcast. It's not <laughs> clinical, but it ruins people's lives. I mean, mm. really, you know, it's a really huge barrier for enjoying your life. So you go to your doctor, you're upset, you're not feeling well. And I really noticed this cycle of people going to the doctor, potentially just getting like a band aid medication to solve the symptoms, but not mm. the core issue of mm-hmm. what was going on in their body people getting frustrated with that and taking it upon themselves to find a dietitian to work with to really figure out, okay, what is going on because this medication is not working or it's causing other symptoms. Mm-hmm. And many of these patients were told to go on what's called the low FODMAP diet, mm-hmm. um, which if you've heard of it, it's probably because you have a GI condition or you have a friend or a family member that does. Um, The thing is, most people aren't really talking about their digestion because it's not the funnest topic to, Mm. you know, it's not like a a group conversation thing, but Mm -hmm. if it's actually really increasing in popularity because the rise in gut conditions. So low FODMAP, FODMAPs, it's an acronym, fermentable oligosaccharide, disaccharide. I'm not going to get into the details, but (laughs) we'll call it low FODMAP. And essentially what FODMAPs are, are uh, fermentable types of carbohydrates. They're simple carbohydrates or sugars that for some individuals are, they, they ferment in your gut, causing that like bubbly, airy, stomach mm. cramping, GI issues that a mm-hmm. lot of people with IBS have. Mm-hmm. So the doctor says, you can take this medication or you can go on the low FODMAP diet. Someone Googles what is the low FODMAP diet, or they're given a handout from the doctor that is the low FODMAP diet. It's always like at least two pages long, full of all these different foods, fruits, vegetables, lots of different foods within these categories. And patients look at that and get overwhelmed, or they try to do it and are crying on the kitchen floor and quit. And it's a terrible experience, Mm. but they're not, they're not given the tools that they need to do the low FODMAP diet in a way that they can actually discover what foods are causing these symptoms. So that's where I became, I would partner with the patient and became an expert really in low FODMAP foods. Mm -hmm. I'm Monash certified, which is low FODMAP certified. So I really, and there's like, it's a very niche area of dietetics. Mm -hmm. And I became essentially a brand expert talking to these patients about different foods that they could have, creating meal plans and finding brands that they could trust um, and low FODMAP specific brands. And there are low FODMAP brands out there, but Mm. the amount of food, you know, that's needed by these people, all these millions of people that are told to go on the low FODMAP diet, there's just really not enough brands out there. And because it's a confusing and overwhelming thing, I think it's a huge undertaking for brands to be, to become a low FODMAP brand. Mm. I mean, for example, it makes, it makes gluten-free seem easy, you can't have garlic, you can't have onion, all these things that are Mm. really, really hard to navigate. So there's just a huge need for, um, just food brands that people can trust that are low FODMAP. And so during these conversations, as you could imagine, this would be a really overwhelming conversation for someone Mm -hmm. to learn, okay, you can't have all these normal foods. Um, And in these conversations, my favorite thing to tell them is that sourdough was low FODMAP. Mm. and that they could have it. And it's because of the fermentation process. So it has to be a real sourdough that's fermented for a certain amount of time because, again, I won't get into the crazy science, but it essentially reduces uh, the type of FODMAP that's called fructans. Um, mm. And that's where wheat, wheat is a fructan. And so it's not the gluten component of that carbohydrate, but it is the uh, fructan component. So it, it gets really sciencey, but 
essentially because of the fermentation process, it reduces the fructans that can cause issues for this population. And it actually reduces the amount of gluten because it's pre-digesting it in that fermentation process. So that's why a lot of people that have sourdough, they might say like, oh, sourdough, I can eat that, but I can't eat regular commercial bread. Mm. Or that's also why a lot of, you know, air quotes, European bread or European foods, specifically in the food category, a lot of them are sourdough and they're just made with better quality ingredients as Mm. well. Um, So that's why I uh, started in this area of the CPG world. I mean, sourdough is because that was my favorite thing to tell patients. And it was always the bright part of the conversation. And um, yeah, this past summer, I jumped into the CPG space with sourdough pizza Mm -hmm. because I live in Chicago. Everyone loves pizza. It's summer. Everyone is just happy here. Mm -hmm. And so Chicago, summer, pizza, sourdough, you cannot go wrong. (laughs) And so that's, where I force myself to jump into mm-hmm. is because it, you know, those are, no one's going to lose in that, in that equation, if mm-hmm. we can like get, hit all those points. But I also tested, um, for, like I told you, garlic and onion, we can't have on the low FODMAP diet, but mm. the pizzas were all low FODMAP. So they were a sa- traditional sourdough crust, but I mm. also made the sauce without garlic and onion. They were just with the like San Marzano tomatoes and olive oil basically. And the pizzas were bomb. You didn't get the <laughs> chance to have them, but know. they were, everyone still asks about them. And so anyway, I started with pizza, just knowing that would be like easy to talk to a lot of people and Mm -hmm. like people would be excited about it. It would be Mm -hmm. a good way to just engage with the Chicago community to start knowing that long-term I wanted to be in the CPG space versus like, you know, essentially like a food truck or like a catering, I would pop up at different breweries and, you know, pizza and beer is always Mm going to be a winning, uh, duo, but I knew my long-term goal was to be have uh, shelf-stable products and then hopefully in the future where there's some sourdough pizza in the freezer section. Mm. So TB- TBD on how the pizza is going to like do a full circle moment in the future. Um, but we, over this past couple of months, we released our first shelf-stable product, which is our sourdough sea salt and flax crackers. Mm-hmm. So the dough... The cracker dough is fermented for 24 hours, um, at least before we bake them, making, giving them that tangy sourdough flavor. And that Mm. brings the FODMAPs down or just makes it more GI friendly. And, um, it's interesting because a lot of people don't know what low FODMAP is. So that's something that I'm kind of working on. What is my positioning Mm -hmm. to my audience? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's always a learning, that's always like a learning spot for any brand, no matter what your product is. Um, But what's been cool is that I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, oh my gosh, these crackers have changed my life. And I'm not even kidding. And like, no one has ever said that. (laughs) That sentence has never left anyone's mouth. (laughs) But it's happening at Unbothered because what it does is, People will, people that have gluten intolerance, mm-hmm. depending on who you are, everyone's different, can, can have sourdough, but mm. not regular wheat products. Mm-hmm. So because of that fermentation process I talked about, for example, my neighbor, she hasn't had gluten in 10 years because of the symptoms that it causes her, but she does, doesn't have celiac. Mm. So there's a difference between gluten intolerance and celiac. Mm -hmm. Uh, celiac, you know, you cannot have any wheat, no matter what gluten intolerance, it just kind of gives you some symptoms, but it's not messing up your nutrient absorption. Mm -hmm. My neighbor, she finally gained the confidence. I wasn't pushing her at all, but I just, you know, told her about, you might be able to have sourdough and like, what if you could have sourdough? Like what Mm -hmm. if, you know, you could add that to your life. And she, she got the confidence to try some of the crackers and, she didn't have any symptoms. Mm. And so she's sending me the test. Oh my gosh, these crackers are changing my life. Like now she can go to the farmer's market and get real sourdough bread versus no offense, gluten-free bread, but it's different. It's mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, I've had a few people be like, oh my gosh, my partner that hasn't had gluten in forever, 
tried your crackers and now he knows he can have sourdough. And it's like, it, that's actually as silly as it mm. sounds. It's like a huge deal for people that didn't know this. So, um, yeah, started with pizza onto crackers, but we're hoping to continue to, to grow into other areas using sourdough as our kind of branch there. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's so much to unpack in there. And you actually answered one of my questions <laughs> because that educational component, I don't know anything about gluten intolerance. I saw sourdough pizza is not going to bother your intestines. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. Is that like gluten-free doesn't really mean sourdough, but you've kind of clarified, um, celiacs, very different from just gluten intolerant, but when gluten intolerant, you may be able to have something that's fermented longer because then it's not reacting in your gut, I guess, in my layman, simple person understanding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And my goodness, this is like a whole nother conversation, but I, you know, it could be my full-time job just explaining all of this on my social media outlets. And that's the hardest thing, you know, as an early, early small business owner slash founder and a nutrition educator, Mm -hmm. I'm always fighting like, what's the most important? I'm in a category that people don't quite know about. They've maybe seen something in low FODMAP. We, Mm -hmm. We know the gut health category, which we just discussed earlier. We don't actually know what gut health is, but we've maybe looked that up and, you know, I, I wish I had more time and I'm, I'm hoping to be able to have more resources and time to really focus on that education piece because it's huge. Um, yeah. especially in the category that I am in. So, For sure. yeah. Yeah. And, and then when you can't even get a dietitian on a health insurance policy half the time and it's like almost exactly. certainly the thing you actually need. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yes, I would say you deserve your own podcast 100% and the ability to get this information out there because this is such a dietary on its own is such a tricky thing. And like I see headlines yeah. about keto is giving you cancer now versus these. It's like there's a million different opinions of whatever yeah. might be happening. And it's like, yeah, can I just eat? Um, yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's a great concept. And then that brand positioning component you mentioned is also super interesting, right? Because now the brand unbothered foods, it like kind of clicks and makes sense. And you have to take all this really high level and low level minutiae stuff and try and put it into a place where somebody can see this on a shelf and say, huh, I should give that a try. Mm-hmm. And half those people might think they can't have crackers at all, so they just avoid the section entirely. Um, right. Yes. So that's like, I don't know. If you have thoughts on the yeah, strategy you're approaching there, I don't know. I would love to hear them, but I know that's just got to be a challenge for someone in your category where you're really trying to serve people that almost have been convinced they cannot have the thing you were trying to bring back into their life. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think <laughs> about it a lot, but then... You know, I guess, you know, I don't know my what my approach actually would be, but mm. I think it just starts with educating and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe popping on to my Instagram, even if it's once a month and just kind of talking about like maybe answering Q&A questions. And for me, I think it's also just getting in front of um, customers at the stores that I'm in now. So what I'm mm-hmm. working on now is trying to set up more like sampling time. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get your product into the store, but that's the easy part, even mm-hmm. though that's hard is mm-hmm. getting on shelves and then actually selling your product and talking to customers is the harder part. Yeah. Um, and so I've realized like, okay, I can get into stores, but also the sh- product isn't really going to move, especially if it's kind of not a really familiar category, unless you're talking to people and mm-hmm. educating. And so for me, I think that's probably where I will focus first is getting into the stores that I'm in and doing more sampling and just talking to the customer base and, and educating people and, and starting there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'm torn on which direction to take this now, but we're going to go one way and then we'll come back the other way. Um, (laughs) the, as you're trying to do all of this, getting into stores, getting on shelves where people can discover you, you are literally hand cranking your crackers out. (laughs) Can you tell? Oh, I just laughed because I was like up until midnight last night. 
The emotion in that laugh was real. I felt that. Mm. I felt that in my soul. My, yeah. I Get, feel it in my body. <laughs> and I would much rather have my feeling than yours. Can we, yes. Can we talk about what... Is that kind of the the biggest reality versus expectation shock you've had? Maybe exactly how much physicality is going into getting this off the ground to start? Yeah, I think you're you totally hit it. Cause like I have work ethic and I have drive like like no one else. That's not true. But I feel like, you know, I have mm-hmm. the work ethic and drive there and the vision. It's like, let's go, give me a to-do list. We're doing this. There's mm-hmm. no like chill so I have that so in your mind you're like if I have that and I have a clear vision then like we're gonna make this happen right and then you work back from that and okay someone has to be physically making these crackers or for when I was doing pizza someone has to be hand shaping these dough balls and um yeah. So right now what that looks like for me as I'm just getting started is literally, I mean, I'm sore, I'm mm. hand cranking, um, which means the crackers are in a dough sheeter, a manual dough sheeter that mm. I'm, you know, cranking each tray. And um, yeah, that's that's probably been the hardest part. And actually, I think really what's beneath that is knowing where to spend your money first Mm. as a small business owner. And for me, because I'm just starting and margins aren't super high in CPG, unless you have a really specialty product, specifically in crackers, margins aren't huge. And so you really have to sell, you have to really be selling a lot of product in order for it to make any sense. Mm. And so I'm in this wiggle space of like, we just launched it's definitely gaining traction and you know we're still working on increasing capital to be able to spend it on things like automated like mm-hmm. dough sheeting machines mm-hmm. and so you know it's just figuring and then you got to pay for kitchen space and then okay well what if i want to be a sponsor at the gi um you know conference that's happening in Chicago well that's going to be x amount of dollars it's kind Mm -hmm. of but but what what opportunity could that bring and so I think for me I'm big on I'm so excited about the interpersonal um things that I'm more likely to spend on that Whereas my body and my partner mm. are like, you need a dough sheeter and you, this can't be an option. Making crackers for 12 to 15 hours, that's mm-hmm. not an option. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's currently, I mean, literally I was up till midnight last night. It's just not sustainable. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's just where I'm at right now being very like, I'm, I'm only transparent. So, yeah. Yeah. um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out my next steps because, um, my long-term goal isn't to be like selling a few crackers every week, you know, Mm -hmm. or for a few bags of crackers every week, my Mm long-term goal, I would love to be a national brand. And so, yeah, I think, I think it comes back down to business learning how much capital really is needed to create the brand that you want. And, um, yeah just being willing to take take the risks that I need to take that I'm kind of holding back on right now because mm. I'm new at this and I'm, you know, it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. But not as scary as what I just did yesterday. So <laughs> we need to make some <laughs> decisions here. So. Yeah. 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 The, uh, what no, no plan survives contact with the enemy. That phrase has come up a few times in the last few days for me. And it's, uh, it seems appropriate here. You think you have, you, you understand where you're going and then reality hits and it's like, okay, maybe some things we'll have to adjust here for this to (laughs) to work out. Yeah. Um, but deep respect because I cannot imagine hand cranking, uh, dough, manual dough sheet crackers for 15 hours a day for one day, let alone weeks. Um, and I think that's, that's a part that 
like I had mentioned before we jumped on, we don't get to hear that part a lot. People say, oh, I was up into the wee hours of the night doing the thing 10 years down the road once they've already become a national brand. Here, you, you that laugh of pure pain. Pure pain. <laughs> cannot <Yeah>. be heard. <laughs> yeah. 10 years from now. Um, but That's it's so, so valuable to see that because it, it gives it gives credit to the it's more than just a concept let's bring gi friendly crackers to the world it's like i am going to figure out gi friendly crackers for the world and this is what it looks like and what's the next step that we need to do to be able to keep doing this so i can actually do it the way i see it in the future it's just super cool to see yeah thank you i appreciate that yeah um and that also segues nicely into the other side that I wanted to talk about, which was the community aspect you've been building, because it seems like you really have, I think, exceptionally compared to a lot of other CPG brands, you're really building a community around this. It sounds like maybe that's informed by the fact that you were already kind of finding this community in your work as a dietitian. Um, but you have your newsletter. It was the Sour Squad before, and now it's become yes. Unbothered. Um, do you still call them the Sour Squad? I, we're still keeping the Sour Squad. Fantastic. because it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but have you, has that community aspect been part of your plan, or is that kind of just something that organically happened and you're nurturing it? How are you thinking about that as you grow? I think for me, I'm, I'm a very, like, community-oriented person, mm -hmm. and um, there just doesn't seem like any other way to do it, I suppose. It's like bringing people in is yeah the only way I would want to really do anything um mm. and then it's also a way to like garner feedback on things and yeah just create conversation if it was up to me I would just be doing the fun community stuff mm. and not all the other things so um yeah the sour squad which is what our newsletter is is yeah, it's a, a little outlet for even like just a social aspect for me, even if it's just me like speaking out into the, the void. Um, but that's definitely been intentional. Mm. Um, I think also through knowing how alone people can feel in the digestive health world, especially people with like IBS and different really specific conditions, mm -hmm. you really do something I would always say to patients is I know you feel like you're on an island right now, but I want to join you on your island. And maybe I don't know all the answers, but I want to help you figure out what's going on or partner with you to get the help you need. And so I think knowing that there, that people are feeling like that in this um, mm -hmm. population. And so trying to create a space for not just the digestive health community, but just, yeah, a space for seeing people for what they're struggling with and i think it's always you know throwing dinner parties having time to get together is just like what yeah. i'm all about so we're gonna copy paste that into the business as well and we'll see where the sour squad goes i don't really know how it's gonna fully integrate into the business but for now it's just a good spot to kind of gather the people that have been excited about what we're doing um and you know keep people connected in that way i hope in the future as we like release new flavors or new products or have more updates that they can be kind of the first people to try those products and kind mm. of be informed on like what's going on behind the scenes and then also be able to you know have some like digestive education as well mm -hmm. i love that yeah um yeah Many, many hands. Um, and it seems like that's also kind of been part of the way you've been getting into stores. Is that right? It seems like a lot of the stores you've been getting into, they are locally owned, they're small family joints, and you're kind of just creating your own community within that community. Is that how you've been approaching getting out into the world onto store shelves to start? Yeah, yeah. Really just talking to a lot of people, whether that's through the Sour Squad or hmm. um, me just calling people, emailing people. I think right now what I'm working on is getting into stores locally. And so the best way I've been able to do that is through people that know people just because word of mouth is the best mm -hmm. um, or just, you know, going into places that I've 
I've personally connected with the owner or manager. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been kind of A-B testing cold emails versus going in in person with my product. And mm -hmm. um, it's definitely harder for people to say no when you're there smiling at them with your crackers versus uh, an email or a phone call. So um, unfortunately, it's better to go in and mm -hmm. uh, show your face. Yeah. But I think that also comes back down to community. Like, you know, I think because of the pandemic, we got so used to the transactional like emails and quick phone calls and things. And yeah. so it's nice just to be able to um, connect with people in, in person. And whenever people want to meet, I always ask for me meeting in person or at minimum a video call because I think just seeing humanity and connecting with people is huge. I don't know how scalable that is for what I'm doing right now, but I think as I'm just, um, you know, trying to have more retail spots in Chicago and be more known, at least here in the city, yeah. um, that's a really big, important part for me. For sure. Yeah. And, uh, this reminds me of like the, the local Benny's, right? My dad has a guy at the local Benny's when a certain stout comes in, this guy will grab one for him and hold it in back. And it's like, you just can't oh, get that awesome. sense of familiarity without yeah. that small stuff that starts here. And maybe that doesn't yeah. scale when you're in stores in California. Um, but when you're in Chicago at the local food stuffs, maybe there's somebody that says, Hey, I remember you mentioning you're having some stomach problems. I guess you don't talk about that to food clerks usually, but maybe you'd some people, people might, yeah. People know people <laughs> and they might say, hey, there's this cool product that came in that we think yeah. you should try. And that's like, uh, those are those magic moments. I was talking to another uh, founder recently and he was talking about the lightning in the bottle of the startup culture. Um, and it's like, you're probably at the very beginning of that where as you start to bring people on, there's that energy and they're just people that are just here for it. And that's just such a cool spot yeah. to be in and one that we don't. We don't always get to keep when we're going for a uh, national or global yeah. domination of the gluten tolerant yeah. cracker business. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So the unbothered rebrand, was that as you moved into CPG, what made you decide you needed to rebrand from where you were to unbothered and how did that look like for you as a process? Yeah. So, um, my original name, which was Welly Bellies, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, also specific to the GI space. Um, if you know CPG, you know that there's another brand that's in the GI space that is very similar. I won't say their name because I don't know, some there might be some issue with that. Um, but I, I knew at the beginning that this brand existed, but I think just you know, I was naive and thinking like, oh, well, I'm not that exact name and it's fine. Like I'm different, you know, I have a different product than them and this and that. And so uh, I'm married to an attorney and, um, you know, I got plenty of advice from different lawyers to change my name very early on. And, you know, as when you start your first business and you thought of this awesome name that it can't be anything else you know, you can't imagine it being anything else. Like that's just kind of where I was. And it's, it's so hilarious to think about it because I knew I needed to change my name. And I went through this whole process. I had a friend refer me to someone that helps with names and I, you know, didn't want to spend my money on that. And so I'm like, no, I got this, went through all these exercises and all this stuff and uh, ended up just adding an S on the end of what my name was. And I'm like, okay, boom. Like we're gonna avoid all issues in the future. We added an S, it's plural now. So it's mm. totally different. Mm -hmm. And then um, as I was just getting to know more people in the food space and like meeting more people in Chicago, I had, I had people ask like, oh, have you heard of, and then said the other brand's name. And I'm like, oh no, it's mm. not like mm -hmm. I, I have to change it. Like this is a bad sign. And so I eventually, started working um, with someone and I'll give them a shout out, uh, Jingleheimer, which th they could be a good company for you to reach out to their Chicago based mm -hmm. Patrick, who, um, he does their naming, their tagline is your name is our name too. Okay. Mm. It's perfect. you trust them? That's I a mean, brand strategist can... right there. They know what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll spend the money and I'll, I'll get some help. 
difficult. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was coming up with terrible names. I was coming up with like, I was almost going to land on like best belly. Like, yeah. So I was I've just like, worse. okay. Yeah. Well, you've heard a lot better. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, I have. <laughs> and so I reached a point where I was like, I just, I just need help. Like I just need to spend the money on this and mm. uh, went through the process of like going through a bunch of different names and I worked with him throughout that and um yeah love my name unbothered foods it's so great it's it's like more edgy than what we had mm. um and I'm I was honestly shocked that it wasn't taken mm-hmm. as, in this exact space that I'm in like I'm shocked mm. um I'm working to get it trademarked now and I, yeah, I just can't, I couldn't believe the name wasn't taken in the food space specifically because of like, you know, even like in the gluten-free space, which has tons of brands, like I I was just surprised there wasn't other food products and unbothered. Um, And so, yeah, the experience was, was great. I didn't think I would ever be paying someone to help me think of a new name, but Mm. like that goes to show pay people for what they're good at Mm. and you know, being able to rebrand into Unbothered Foods, you know, we changed up just the whole like look of the brand and the design of the brand as well. Um, and yeah, that's, it's been, it's already paid back like what it was worth investing in because it kind of, it because it was different than my old name and I was a little bit hesitant with what that was, it mm-hmm. ma- allowed me to fully like dive into uh, my brand category without being nervous about like, okay, is this going to cross a line mm. that is going to be an issue in the future? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really fun working with someone that's professional in the space. And then Riley, uh, my designer just did an awesome uh, job of like bringing the brand to life. And it, it was a good, it was a good restart as we're pivoting into CPG. It kind of lined up you know, with that, when I was doing Welly Bellies, it was more like pizza. Mm. And then the crackers kind of came along with the um, unbothered foods and starting us off into the CPG space. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's, that's interesting. It's almost like um, not only the confidence to stand out on the shelves, but also the confidence for you to stand out and be loud and proud about your brand without concern. That's, yeah, even half the battle or at this size, that is the whole battle, right? Because you're the only one that's really showing up for it and the sour squad, but it's yours to, yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. I love that. Um, well, great. It's been excellent talking to you before we jump off. I want to make sure to give you time to call out anything coming up, any place that you want to call out or announce for people getting a hold of your, your stuff, getting on the sour squad email, whatever you got. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, you can find us on Instagram really is our main social platform. We're at Unbothered Foods. Um, things coming up. We're hoping to release a couple of new flavors late spring, maybe early summer. Um, but within the next handful of months, we want to release two new low FODMAP flavors, which we're really excited about. So signing up for our Sour Squad newsletter would be a great way to be updated on new flavors um like i have said we just launched beginning of february which is insane because that was just a month ago um and you can support us by following us on instagram signing up with the sarah squad but we also have um merch that you can buy we have these great unbothered foods crew necks that are those really really soft uh sweaters and then we also have t-shirts as well Mm. um and we're about to ship out a bunch of launch kits that people purchased um during our launch month so we're excited Mm. about that and then as far as locally in chicago we're not sure which farmers markets we're going to be in yet but if you follow along you can stay tuned and we're hoping to pop up at some farmers markets this summer um but still waiting on hearing which ones that we'll be at and you're on here here market too right online Yes. Great reminder. Yeah. So we ship, thank you so much. We actually ship nationally 
through Hear Here Market. So Hear Here Market's an online marketplace based in Chicago that has Chicago specific brands. And they are my national like shipper, which mm -hmm. is awesome. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can purchase our crackers through them and you get 10% off your first order. Mm, most excellent. I hope I get a chance to talk to them too, because they're doing, I just love that concept. I thought it was my concept and yeah, then I saw awesome. Hear Here Market and I was like, it's a concept, fantastic. We need this. Let's grow it. Um, yes. So yeah, they're very cool. Check them yeah, out great. and check out Unbothered Sea Salt and Flaxseed Crackers, which are delicious. I haven't had the new rendition. I only had the Welly Bellies oh, rendition. Nice. I should have saved yeah. the bag. I didn't realize that was going to be a collector's item. It would have been a collector's <laughs> item. Yeah. Well, it was funny because the place that I sold it at Bottles Up, yeah. um, like after we did the rebrand and new packaging, it was funny because one of the people that worked at the wine shop after we rebranded, he was like, yeah, some people have said that it was like a pot bag. I'm like, dude, you have the, yes, it did. But tell me these things. Like, I know it looked random because of DIY, but um, like, yeah. So like they we thought leveled they were up. Edibles we in there. leveled up. Yeah, exactly. So we've already grown. Oh, true <laughs> kindness is telling people when they have the spinach in their teeth, if it looks like a yeah. pot bag, say it looks like a pot bag. <laughs> exactly. Please tell me that. <laughs> awesome. Um, it's been great in talking to you, Murdoch, really, uh, Morgan. It's been great talking yeah, to you, Morgan. So let's I just really go with appreciate Murdoch. <laughs> your time. Um, yeah. Super fascinating conversation. I would love to talk more about this in a future episode because there's just so much to cover here. And by then, who knows? Maybe you'll be across the entire country. We'll have to see. <laughs> With an automatic dough roller, ideally. Right, right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> right on. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for having me. And there you have it. That was my conversation with Morgan Murdoch of Unbothered Foods. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed having it. Uh, before you go, I'm not going to ask you for the links, the subscribes, the yada yada. If I could ask you for one favor, just one favor, it would be that you share this with a friend if you found it entertaining, valuable, or in any other way shareable. Just send it to one person. I would appreciate it deeply. I think the way to grow anything great is through organic word of mouth. And if I'm able to do a great job in producing a show that you enjoy listening to, the only thing I want to ask you to do is send it to somebody that you like or that you think would like the show. I suppose you don't have to like them. It would be nice if you did, but whatever. Uh, again, I'll have everything for Morgan's product, for where to find it, and for the two brand studios, Jingleheimer, the naming studio, and Swain Co., the brand identity studio, I have those in the show notes for you. I'll have those two studios in the show notes for you, Jingleheimer and Swain Studio. My name is Wolf. This has been Feasting with Founders, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Have a great one.